What is up, plant people? Happy February. Today is February 4th, 2020, and I hope y'all had a stellar January, even though it was like somehow, I don't know, 14, 15, 16 millennia long. January is a weird month. I don't know what's going on. We have a great show for you today with my good friend, Catherine Jury from the High Plains Water District. We'll introduce her a little bit more pretty quick. I think you're really going to love it because you know what? I think you like water and I think you like drinking water and showering. I hope you like showering and washing your dishes and cooking and doing all the other things we do with water. Because today's episode is all about water and where we get it and how we save it and how we communicate about it and everything in between. Catherine's an expert. A couple of things before we jump into it. Uh, we have some bloopers in and around and during today's show. We recorded this a while back and, uh, Apparently, I was like mega popular that day because my phone rang six million times. Instead of cutting around all of it and leaving weird, awkward pauses, I decided to leave some of that in just for funsies. So if you hear uh, exciting and happy elevator music, you'll know why. That'll be where I've cut out a phone call or some other silliness and um, it'll be fun for everyone. Um, The next thing is, like I started doing on the last episode, I'm going to read a review for you real quick. Remember that if you leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser or anywhere else that I can find it, I will probably read it at some point on this show. And that's pretty cool, I think. So today I'm going to read a review from, and and please forgive me for butchering your name. I actually watched a bunch of videos on YouTube about how to pronounce it and I'm still not going to get it. Um, I am an American from Texas to make this worse. And this is a French name. So I'm going to try my best. But here's a great review from V. Desjardins, um, who says, 10 of 10, recommend this podcast. Whether you are a green thumb, someone like me who can't keep even the foolproof house houseplants alive, or anyone in between, we're all plant people. This podcast helps foster an appreciation for all the ways that plants are present in our lives. I like the variability in each episode. And the passion of Vikram and all the guests is palpable. It's easy to listen to, and good luck not smiling when the happy music comes on. Victoria, thanks so much. Uh, we have I I want to give Victoria a shout out too because she's recommended the show several times, and she's just been super cool uh, about this whole thing. So, forgive this. West Texan for butchering your name, but thanks so much for the lovely words. If you'll leave us a review, I would be happy to read it one of these days on the show. So on to today's business. Um, Today I sat down with, actually I say today, we recorded this way back in like, oh gosh, it must have been November, but today's episode is with my friend and the Education and Outreach Coordinator for the High Plains Underground Water Conservation District, Catherine Drury. Uh, Catherine has um, a lot of experience in media, in communication, and all kinds of other things. She has been a reporter for a major news outlet. She has worked for our Health Science Center, and now she's doing just a wonderful job communicating about water conservation here in West Texas where it's dry and that is a big thing that we need to talk about. So um, one more reminder before we get into this that I will be live at the end of February. It's I believe the 28th and is it a leap year? Whatever comes after the 28th, whatever, whether it's the 29th or uh, March 1st at Lubbock Con. So I'll be doing a live panel. As soon as I get a date, I will let y'all know about it. And I would love to see you there if you're in the Lubbock area. But um, aside from that, I think we're ready to jump into this. So enjoy episode seven with Catherine, Catherine Drury from the High Plains Underground Water Conservation District number one. 
Uh, all right. Well, we're live. How are you today? I'm good. How are you doing, Vic? I'm doing good. good. So, Catherine, tell me a little bit about yourself. Um, so, I was raised in Tyler, Texas originally, so right between Dallas and Shreveport. Um, I made my way to Lubbock 10 years ago, um, so I am officially a West Texan now, I think. Yeah. Um, I've got a husband that lives here in Lubbock with me, obviously, and a uh, one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and really enjoy gardening and conservation, and I'm real obsessed with water. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's a good a, a good trait for the job that you <laughs> right, have. So, absolutely. Uh, tell us, like, what what's your position now? What do you do right now? So, I am the education and outreach coordinator for the High, High Plains Underground Water Conservation District. Um, like I said, super passionate about water and love that I get to talk about this every single day. Oh yeah, well no, that's good because I'm, uh, you know, the the point of this podcast, like we kind of talked about, is people mm-hmm. that are passionate about the things they do, that, right. that like the job. How did you get into gardening? What what was your first experience with plants and those kinds of things? Right. So I think this is probably a pretty common story for people. I know this is a common story for you. I helped my grandparents garden. Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember, you know, them picking their fresh green tomatoes and their. Um, green bell peppers and that sort of thing and really enjoyed seeing them grow things from seeds. You know, when you're little, you think that things are going to stay the same size all the time, but right. to actually see something grow and to be able to eat what you produce is really impactful at a young age. Um, so I saw them do that. My dad did it. I remember tasting fresh radishes like straight out of the soil, you know, when they're yeah. still even a little bit gritty from the soil. That's the best kind, right? Oh yeah. Um, so helped my dad do that and, um, picked it back up when I came to Lubbock and when I started working at a local news station and got to go through the Lubbock master gardener class. And that's where I got really interested in water. Um, so I enjoy drought tolerant plants, native plants and vegetables. I killed all my vegetables this year. So I love gardening, not real good at it though. Well, it was, you know, it was, what a million degrees every day this summer right yeah it, it was the surface of the sun pretty in much Texas. yeah pretty much well like when it's you know we planted some stuff out here in the garden at it, i mean it was our fault but it was like the first of august right. and then it was like 112 degrees the next week i was like oh everything's going yeah. to die cool exactly um so no that that's cool and that's you know you kind of have a, a i think a wide variety of things that you do mm-hmm. so i, I want to ask you a couple like a, just a question about your experience um you know because this is this podcast thing is very much like mm-hmm. a unfiltered kind of media like okay. thing um so what was your experience working with because i know we worked together a little mm-hmm. bit when you were with the news station right what was that experience like for you i it was always really positive. Um, so at the time you were an extension agent mm-hmm. and, you know, the best information comes from Texas A&M AgriLife Extension when it comes to growing plants, when it comes to resource conservation, um, such a fantastic resource and always willing to work with us. Um, so as, you know, someone in the news industry, it's sometimes hard to get people, you know, to come on for an interview. And I always liked giving people practical information, right. you know, not things that they needed to spend a lot of money on. And so you know, y'all were always so good with your messaging and clear with your messaging. And that's fantastic when you're having to take a <laughs> 20 minute interview and put it down into two and a half minutes for a TV news station. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's interesting because I remember one time, um, I don't remember what we were talking, maybe, maybe 
composting? I'm not sure. Out at the Arboretum. Out at the Arboretum. Yeah. And so Kyle Tangler, who was, uh-huh. you know, episode one on here, I, I feel like for whatever reason, what stuck in my mind is that it was like four degrees was outside that day. freezing that day. Yes. And like rainy and drizzly. And I was like, what, what are we even doing? Right. Yeah. It was a little miserable out there. And we've also done it in opposite conditions. Like I yeah. remember also being at the Arboretum and sweating my face off. Oh, you yeah. Know? Um, so you kind of have to deal with the elements in a lot of those things, but um, always appreciated the willingness to endure those elements, you know, for a news story anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, I guess after that, that's kind of how we met. And then I was doing the extension thing and Mm -hmm. you joined the master gardener class. Mm -hmm. So how long have you been with the master gardeners now? 2015, I think. So about four years now. Um, yeah. So I, I currently still run the Facebook page. Um, but you know, with having a baby, it's kind of hard to make it to meetings and that sort of thing. But, um, I love getting to work with the master gardeners and I get to work with them still in my current capacity, um, with talking about plants and water conservation and that sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. So, you know, we haven't actually talked much about the Master Gardener Association on this podcast yet. But um, can you give me just the the I don't know, elevator talk about what do the Master Gardeners do and and, um, what's their purpose in our community? Right. So the Master Gardeners are a service arm of the Extension Service or the volunteer arm of the Extension Service. So they are all about getting out evidence based gardening practices, which is super important. You know, we have so much misinformation online about adding different things to our soil that maybe shouldn't be added to it or spraying things on our plants that really doesn't do anything. So um, this organization gets out in the community, shares information, but also does things for the community, like helping run school gardens or, um, you know, helping out at the local arboretum and that sort of thing. So it's a really great service organization that you get a lot of information from the extension and learning through the class, through the intern class. Um, But you also get to give back to the community and get to learn from other people that have gardened longer than you've been alive, you know? (laughs) So um, you get to learn a lot of things from them them as well. You know what? And that's, it's so funny that you say that. So, uh, (laughs) so part of my job is the horticulture agent was to oversee and like manage the Master Garden Mm -hmm. Association, put together like um, intern classes, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So at the time when I started, I was 26 years old. And like some of the master gardeners had, I mean, literally have been gardening twice as long yes. as I'd been alive. And some of them were like, you know, like I've got grandkids your age. Right. And I'm like, oh, well, still listen to me anyway. Yes, right. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Please. Exactly. I, I promise. I know plant stuff. Right. I promise. Yeah. So and that's it's really great to be around those people that have had so much experience and seen those changes in our area with um, climate and water use. And actually, you know, there's even since I've lived in Lubbock, Lubbock in the last 10 years, we've seen more people put in drought tolerant plants. Yeah. We've seen, seen more people be interested in native plants and plants that are good for pollinators and that sort of thing. So it's really nice to see how it was and then the progress that we're making um, as we move into the future. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's cool. So, okay. So t- we'll, we'll kind of switch gears to, I think you're like more professional. Like, I mean, <laughs> right. that's not that this isn't professional right, no. stuff, but like, but your, your job now. So um, you are the education and outreach mm-hmm. coordinator, coordinator yeah. for the high plains underground water conservation district. Number one. Yes. Okay. You got the whole name, right? I'm so impressed. Well, thanks. Yeah. So, you know, with a government entity, you sometimes have really long titles and 
really long names oh gosh, because yes. they, you know, the water district's been around for 70 years. Yeah. We were the first one created in the state of Texas. And so, um, we've got that really nice long name, but, uh, nowadays we try to go by high plains water district kind of, um, in our public capacity. Cause it's a little bit easier for folks to remember. So, uh, yeah. but I appreciate you getting the whole, like what nine words. It's a lot of right? words. It's impressive. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like it was it, when I was with extension, it was always like, Oh, I'm the Lubbock County horticulture agent for the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service. Yeah. So like when our secretaries would answer the mm-hmm. phone, it would be like, I'm going to spend 10 minutes telling you who you're talking right. to. Well, and whenever I'd write the keys for news stories and stuff, uh-huh. yours was always longest. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay. I think I spelled your name right. Every I think you time, always though. did actually, yeah. which that's, that's something because, the, uh, that was maybe not a common thing. <laughs> I've seen some fun uh, mashups of your name, though. Oh, yeah. Some really incredible ones. Oh, yeah. Some that like showed up on the news. Oh. Like a lot. Ooh. Like in the little yeah. ribbon. Yeah. Yikes. Oh, I don't even care. <laughs> it didn't even bother me anymore. And it, it honestly didn't at the time. Yeah. And I always thought it was funny. Okay. So you spent time, and so your background's in journalism. You spent time in the news. Mm-hmm. How did you end up telling people about water for a living? Um, Kind of accidentally, to be honest with you. Um, So it all started when I was a master gardener. Uh, You had put on some educational event at the research center and Mm -hmm. Adeline Fox was there and she had my job previously. And talk about another passionate water nerd. Adeline Adeline is it for sure. So I, I said to her one day, your job looks like so much fun. How do I get a job like yours? And, you know, she was real sweet, real gracious and said, oh, you know, we're not hiring right now. You know, it was real sweet about it. And, you know, it was an offhand comment. Two years later, she said, I'm moving to Austin. Do you want to come interview? I remember you said this random comment to me and um, and it worked out beautifully. Um, yeah. Did not set out to be in science communications, but could not find a happier place to be. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fantastic well and just and to be real honest i've worked with a lot of science communicators in a lot of different capacities and you do such a good job oh thank you no you're i mean but i i mean that because it's there's it takes i think a very specific kind of person that's willing to put up with a lot of different (laughs) things right again and and you know like we've kind of discussed to take very complicated difficult information Mm -hmm. and teach people about it in a way that they you know, don't run away scared. Right. Exactly. And kind of reinterpreting those big sciencey things into palatable, understandable communications is super important, whether it's the water industry or plants, soil, whatever you're talking about. You've got to, I don't want to say dumb it down because you're not dumbing it down, but translating it from jargon to chatting exactly yeah no yeah translating is the perfect word for that Mm -hmm. because you're you're not dumbing it down you're still giving the same information right you just have to present it in a different way right and and like i said you have to start at the beginning of the story for people to get the message you can't start off in the middle you have to start like this is how our aquifer works etc you know um for people to really grasp the gravity and importance of a situation so, um, the High Plains Water District, what, I mean, so yeah, y'all are a regulatory agency, mm-hmm. you're a governmental agency that deals with water. Yes. Groundwater in, in, in particular. And I learned this actually last week, this area of Texas and New Mexico and this por- portion of the plains has the least amount of surface water than anywhere else in the United States. Huh. Which that sounds really obvious, but until someone actually said it, it was like, okay, you know, we've got our ephemeral playa lakes and that sort of thing, but groundwater is our primary resource here. So um, High Plains Water District is the kind of local authority over groundwater. We are a tax-based entity. We help um, do permits, 
measure water wells, um, but our primary role is promoting conservation of our groundwater resources. Okay. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, that, that sounds like it's a really big job. It is, but it's a lot of fun. We actually, we, and we cover a large area as well. We cover about seven and a half million acres, I believe. So down from Lynn County, which is south of Lubbock County into southwestern Amarillo and then three counties deep. So a lot of area. Um, And so we, we help farmers save water. We help individual homeowners save water. And one of the big conservation tactics that we talk about with urban water use is rainwater harvesting quite a bit. Okay. Um, kind of offsetting our use of municipal water supplies or our groundwater supplies with rainwater. Okay. So, um, rainwater harvesting is a big deal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to point blank ask you because okay. <laughs> it has been said and we won't we won't mention any names, but it has been said by certain people that we don't get enough rain here in Lubbock, America to harvest rainwater. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that that makes it even more of a reason to catch that resource and to use it. Um, our average rainfall, I believe, is about 19 yeah. inches per year. I think the official number is 18.6, but, you know, we kind of <laughs> round up anything. Yeah. Um, we'll take every inch that we can get, right? Um Okay, I'm going to... That's okay. Hang on, I'm just going to leave the mic yeah. on. <laughs> Text to Greenhouse is Vic. <laughs> uh, no, Vic. All right, thank you. Okay. <laughs> you want to ask me that question again? I don't even remember what I asked you. Uh, what did I ask you? We don't get enough rain. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. We'll just, we'll start that <laughs> okay. part of the conversation. That is the nice thing about this not being live. Yes, absolutely. Just, whatever. Um, okay. So, uh, it has been said by certain people that, again, we won't mention their names, uh, that we don't get enough rainfall here to make mm-hmm. rainwater harvesting a thing that's worth doing. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the fact that we only get 19 inches of rain a year is the perfect reason to be collecting all the rainwater you can. Um, 19 inches a year on a 2,000 square foot roof is over 23,000 gallons of water that you can catch. That's what, a it's lot impressive. of water. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's um, definitely enough to sustain a vegetable garden for a couple weeks at least. Oh, sure. A couple months. Yeah. Um, the problem with our rainfall in West Texas is when it comes. You should be here the two days that we get those 19 <laughs> yeah. inches. Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry, that is an overdone joke, but I love it. I don't even I care, but it's it. true. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's true. Exactly. So, you know, it's designing the systems to catch those large rainfall events that can sustain you through our really dry months of July and August. Sure. Okay. Well, no, that makes sense because I think it's, uh, I think it's kind of a challenge sometimes because it, it's funny when people come in from other parts of the state yes. or, or country yes. to live here and they're just like, what have I done? Right. We had a, we have a faculty member who moved here from, I, get, I guess he came from, I can't remember if he's from Connecticut or Massachusetts, mm-hmm. but the Northeast somewhere, right? Where it rains and there's yeah. weather and fall and he moved here in January. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he got to experience some winter yes. and some spring. And this spring was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, people come here and they're like, this is, I mean, it, it's interesting because, yeah, we'll get months, like literally months with no rainfall. Right. And then we catch up in a yeah, weekend. Exactly. Well, and one other myth I'd like to bust while I'm on the record yes, here. Yes, absolutely. Rainwater harvesting is not illegal in the state of Texas. <laughs> Thank you for saying I that. I wish I had a dollar for every time someone asked me, well, isn't that illegal? 
And part of me wants to say, you know, I work for a government entity. Would I be telling you to do something illegal? But <laughs> that's you know, a very I, good point. You know, I, I try to smile through it and say, <laughs> no, it's actually encouraged by our state. Um, you know, you get sales tax breaks, you get all kinds of different things. Your HOA cannot tell you not to put up a rainwater harvesting system. So you're good to go. Rain Rainwater harvesting is alive and well in Texas. So why, why do you think it is that people think that? Because other states do regulate it more heavily. And it's kind of understandable. Only up until a couple of years ago, it was illegal in Colorado. Hmm. Two thirds of the rain that falls on Colorado is allocated downstream to other states. So I can almost see that being a good excuse but at the same time you know um so people get those ideas from other places um, but no rainwater harvesting has always been legal in texas (laughs) text tech greenhouse is vic figure out how to put this on do not disturb you're super popular today. i'm really not but no it's funny because like if i have do not disturb now will that turn my phone off i don't really know we're gonna find out um no and it's funny because like i i can spend my entire week in here not doing anything mm-hmm. and no one will call me yes and then the second <laughs> i like either leave the office right. or have someone in here doing something it's like Oh, hey, we really need to talk to that guy. Right, exactly. Okay, so we were talking about um, um, why people think uh, rainwater harvesting is illegal. And you mentioned that up to recently, like, it was in a few states. Right. And, you know, some other states do regulate it more heavily. So, you know, maybe folks are getting some bad information from out of state. But when you come to Texas, um, you are allowed to collect rainwater however much you want. Um, And in some areas, if you treat it, you're going to drink it. You know, um, yeah. you're, you're good to go there. So um, just kind of depending on the size of your system and what, what your needs are for rainwater harvesting and all that good stuff. Sure. Well, and, and I understand kind of what you were saying, uh, too, about, um, you know, rivers flow other places. Yes. And watersheds mm-hmm. end up in different places. Exactly. Yeah. And, and it's super important because the state of Colorado is a water source for many, many downstream states. I think they deliver water. Ooh, I don't want to give the wrong number, but it's upwards of eight states. Wow. Yeah. Um, so. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot. They have a specific water court in Colorado. Really? Like what, that what, is just, that, what is that even like? So <laughs> from how I understand it, again, I've lived in Texas my whole life, so sure. I, I don't know a ton about Colorado water, but um, apparently everything's kind of based on historical rights. And so there's a lot of, there tends to be some disputes when we talk about historical water rights. Um, but in the state of Texas, when it comes to groundwater, it is rule of capture. So right. if you live over a groundwater reservoir, an aquifer, um, you do have rights to catch that water with some limitations. Okay. Okay. No, that yeah. makes sense. That makes sense. And, uh, but you know, water ends up being a big deal. Oh yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously water is a big deal, but like people get pretty worked up about it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, water is vital for life. It's kind of unsexy to talk about, to be honest, you know, people (laughs) think water is always going to, um, be delivered to them for an affordable rate. Um, and as we, you know, continue on with, um, you know, extreme weather events and droughts and that sort of thing, you know, water does become a bigger issue, particularly in those drought years. Yeah. We can talk about climate change. That's okay. okay. You can say climate change. This is this is very much a we believe in cl- okay. climate change podcast. Um, I, you know me. I try to be a little bit 
you know. No, and you, and you have to be. <laughs> Partisan it, about things. But yeah. No, you have to be. And I, I played that game a lot, you know, right. doing extension work. Exactly. You, you know, I think that's maybe an interesting thing to talk about is the education aspect of what we do. Yes. Um, and, you know, I've mentioned it before about how, you know, we, we spend so much time and energy and all of this, like trying to educate the people mm-hmm. we work with. So, you know, you're obviously passionate or it, it's obvious to me that you're passionate about oh, educating yes. people. So how is that part of your job? How do you feel about the, um, the task of taking all this information that sometimes is a little scary right? and, and delivering it to people? So, you know, you do have to make things palatable to people. You have to start at the beginning of a story to tell the story, the whole story. And for people to really follow you through as to why you should be conserving water today. Right. Um, because this is a limited resource and, um, you know, we, we need to be mindful about the way that we use it because we don't have a lot of recharge in our area. So every bit that we pull out is not going to be added back in. So hmm. we do, but we do, you know, I mean, there's no cause for alarm. You know, people are just needing to conserve more and more as time goes on. And as, you know, like I said, as our as our weather patterns are changing, as we're getting drier out here, we are relying more on our groundwater resources when we don't get as much rain. Sure. So every bit that we can conserve makes a difference and um, helps us get through those really dry times. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, I think that's a great message, too, because with this whole discussion, whether it's whether it's climate change, whether it is. Um, the water resources mm-hmm. or food availability, all these people tend to take very extremist stances on it. Yes. Like either we're all going to die tomorrow mm-hmm. or there's absolutely no problem. Right. And I, I don't feel like from the, uh, those are the loudest voices. I don't know that that's necessarily okay. all, you know, everyone is either, you know, on the black or white side of the issue. Sure. Most people are on the gray, but the loudest voices are those that are the most extreme to, that tend to be the most extreme. Yeah. And and so is that something that comes up a lot when you're doing classes, when you're doing, do people like, I don't want to say freak out, but like, do they expect it to be one way or the other? It They do. Yeah. So really the most often question I get is when are we going to run out of water? Mm-hmm. That is a hard answer question to answer because <laughs> it depends so much on our um, behavior and our conservation practices, as well as technology, as technology is continuing to advance, people are using a lot less water in agriculture, in their lawns, in their homes. Um, so you can't put a number on an aquifer. You cannot put a number on a groundwater resource. But that's why you should take steps today to make sure that those things don't happen eventually. Yeah. No, and I think that's great. And I think the idea of, and I, I definitely agree with what you said, is that whether it's this kind of stuff or politics, the mm-hmm. loudest voices are the extreme voices yes. all the time. Absolutely. I think, uh, which is why I think it's important to like, hey, if there's a, cl- if you're worried about water mm-hmm. and there's a class in your area about your water, go to the class. Yes, go learn about it. Go learn from the people that are actively researching and actively measuring these things. Yeah, and you know, I mean, you can get a headline or a snapshot or a tweet from someone online that totally changes your opinion on things, but go to the source. Go to the scientists go to the people that are hands-on knee-deep in the trenches in studying this and don't just rely on these little sentences or these little snapshots that really cause a lot of shock and alarm in a lot of cases oh yeah so you know if if it's not clear memes are not a good way to build your worldview (laughs) 
in general. Right. That's yeah. probably not the best like thing to take when you're trying to build your opinions about things. Right. Exactly. But I think that memes and Twitter and those sort of things definitely have a place to at least starting a conversation. Yeah. Um, if they're done right, that is, you know. <laughs> yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they often start a conversation. It. I think it just depends on. How how uh, productive does that conversation end up being? Yes, exactly. Right? Like people are talking about this stuff, yeah. But it's like, does that get anywhere? Or are we just so? No, I think we've diverged a little bit. No, right. Sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. But that's my fault. But I think that it's interesting because I think that a big piece of a lot of what we're talking about is the public outreach and the public yes. perception and all of that. And so, um, that you know, because I know that that's always been a big part of my job is how do you manage the public opinion. Right. Not may, maybe manage isn't the right word. Mm-hmm. But how do you address the public opinion and those loud voices right. in a way that's scientifically accurate and all absolutely? Of that? Yeah, and you know, my background in journalism kind of laid the laid the groundwork for that. Always looking for the truth. Always looking at you know making sure that people are educated in the truth. Yeah, super important. I don't know if you can hear on the... I heard <laughs> that it definitely went through my headphones. I heard it through my headphones, but there's like a fly that has managed to get in my office and it is... It's our third guest today. It's, or yeah, second guest today. <laughs> yeah, he's our friend, something. I don't know. Yeah. <clears throat> um, so I know I said we wouldn't talk too much about subject matter, but I'm curious. So to put you on the spot just okay. a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. Um, People, I think, in general, have no idea what an aquifer is. Oh, yes. Right? Like, okay. it's like, it's this underground thing and we, you know, stick mm-hmm. a straw in it and we get water. Right. I think that that's, okay, I'm not trying to be a jerk. <laughs> but like, No, but, it, but you're right, though. I mean, I've had lots of adults that have said, oh, it's like a big lake or an ocean under the ground. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, so, I... October and fall is our busiest month for educating children. So I'll kind of go through what I explain to children then. Okay. Um, Because this is literally the, you know, most basic way to understand this. So the Ogallala Aquifer is different than other aquifers. Uh, The Ogallala Aquifer is called an alluvial system. Um, So it's a sand-bearing formation that has water trapped in it, basically. It's not a karst system, which is like down in central and south Texas, um, that is more like a open body of water underground. Um, So our aquifer has some ingredients. We've got gravel, clay, sand, et cetera. And then of course water in it. So water is actually trapped between sand and gravel particles. Okay. Yeah. So the way that they construct wells allows water to flow into those wells without allowing the sand and gravel to flow in. And um, that's the producing part of our aquifer. Huh. So you cannot blade back the sand or the, the surface of the soil and see waves or anything like that. It's like a wet sponge. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, and in that same kind of note, it's, you know, our soils aren't soaking it up or anything like that. It's, it's water that's hanging out in the pore spaces, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. And so what does that mean? So, you know, we talk a lot, I guess, in the industry or just in, in the, the field in general, about recharging an aquifer. Yes. That's a big thing that's discussed, you know, from here to California, anywhere mm-hmm. that aquifers are used as a major water supply. Yes. You know, you've got, uh, from what I've read a little bit, cavernous aquifers that are uh, sealing up in some places yeah. and collapsing and all kinds of bad stuff. Right. So how does recharge work for us? So recharge is a super slow process for us um, because that water is having to move through so much sand medium and gravel. Um, it takes it a long time to get to our aquifer. So they say... 
they say, the scientists say, on average, <laughs> about half of an inch of recharge per year, per year in our area. Wow. So if you can imagine if you're taking out 6 to 12 inches and only adding half an inch back, there's a deficit there, right? Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that being said, though, playa lakes are super important to the recharge of our aquifer. Mm -hmm. So underneath a playa lake, we can experience between 10 and 100 times more recharge than on regular flatland. So wow. 10 or 100 times more that half inch. Um, I've got a farmer friend in Def Smith County who has actually tracked his recharge around his playa lake on his property. And he's also got some really great other conservation practices, only irrigates about 10% of his land per year, et cetera. But there's some wells on his property, even ones that are kind of northwest of his playa that, you know, you really wouldn't expect to see recharge in. But those are experiencing recharge because of the playa lake. Um, one of his wells went up 12 feet over the last three or four years. Wow. Yeah. So the thing about playas is, though, only half of them. OK, so we started out in Texas, I believe, with about 23,000 playa lakes. So 100 years ago, lots and lots of playa lakes. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, we are developing over them. Um, they're silting in because of sand and everything washing into the basin. So that does affect the recharge rates of these systems. Um, but only, I believe, a quarter of them are actually functioning playa lakes. So wow. um, Texas Parks and Wildlife, Playa Lakes Joint Ventures, there's a bunch of great organizations out there that promote, Ogallala Commons is another one, that promote um, playa restoration. And actually, Texas Parks and Wildlife pays you to restore your playa lake. So a lot of times these were dug out to become tailwater pits to collect excess water going out through the end of furrows whenever they mm -hmm. would flood the furrows to irrigate. So then they could recirculate it. That was a great conservation practice back then. But they oftentimes dug into the bottom of a playa lake. So that affected the recharge rates in the area. So and then one other fun playa fact for you, they're only wet about 10% of the year. So they are truly ephemeral wetlands in our area. Yeah. They're not really a lake. Right. It's an ephemeral wetland. Right. So they're, yeah. No, yeah. that's that's super interesting. No, but that's important to realize, I think, that like, oh, you know, because I, I think I think what a, a lot of people think sometimes is we got 40 inches of rain this year. Right. The, ply, mm -hmm. the, the aquifer's full now. Right. Yeah. But it doesn't really work that way. No, it doesn't. So, you know, it, some of it does end up running off over time. Um, obviously, plants use a lot of that water. Sure. Some of it does make its way down to the aquifer. Um, and really what we see is um, when we do have a really rainy year, like in 2015, I believe we got over 30 inches of rain in Lubbock County. Um, we saw level aquifer levels rise across the district. Not necessarily because rain was being added. It was just fewer wells were being pumped from. I got you. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So whenever we do get those rainy seasons, it doesn't necessarily translate to water being added back, just less being pulled out because we need to use less on the surface. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so those levels can come back out because our drawdown is a lot less. Exactly. Okay. Yes, it kind of evens itself out a little bit better. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's that's really interesting. Yeah. So um, one thing I'm doing at the end of these- Hold on. Do you hear music? I do hear music. Why do I hear music? <laughs> Chris must be playing music. Okay, out there. I just wanted to make sure yeah, you no. heard it before you asked me another question. <laughs> How loud is his speaker? <laughs> 
See, again, this is always an adventure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, it's a working greenhouse. What do you expect? Yeah, there he goes. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what? What? Why are they looking what? at me? Stop looking at me. Okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, that's totally fine. I think, I think having outtakes on these are funny. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. So if you had one tip for our listeners to be more water conscious in their own lives and in their landscape, what would it be? So most of our water, daily water use is used outdoors and we tend to be really inefficient with it. And I feel like this needs to go without saying, but because you asked me for the one tip, this is my friendly reminder. Don't water every single day and don't water when it's raining. Do not irrigate. I wish I um, knew my neighbors a little bit better because they're really bad at this. Um, So that's why I feel like this needs to be said. Um, And I know you asked for one tip, but two's fine. Whatever. (laughs) Um, So also don't water in the middle of the day. We see a lot of that out in our rural areas where people are watering at noon when the wind is blowing 20 miles an hour and it's 90 degrees outside. It's just not efficient. So make sure you're watering in the mornings. Yeah, you heard it here. Water in the morning. (laughs) If it's raining, turn off your sprinklers. Oh my gosh. And just use some common sense. Yeah. All right. So uh, what things do you want to plug? What do do you think the people out there should know about? Tell us about your social media. Tell us about anything that's coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So High Plains Water District is very active on Facebook and Twitter, as well as our Instagram page. You can find us at hpwd.ono. You can find us at (laughs) HPUWCD on all of those uh, platforms. We've also got a really great interactive web map. If you live in the Lubbock area or in this area of Texas, um, we've got some really great resources that you can go out and check out what your groundwater levels are near your property. Cool. If you want to call someone to come drop a tape down your well, we'll come and help you measure your well as well. You're well, well as well. As well. I like that. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, and then I am also a huge water nerd. So my personal Twitter, because <laughs> I am a big fan of water Twitter, is um, Catherine Drury one on Twitter. Okay. Yeah. I'll link all these okay. things in the show notes. Oh, thank you, Vic. I yeah. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's uh, if you're interested in water, get on water Twitter, um, which is normal Twitter. But, you know, the water, water industry people. is like very strong on Twitter. And so is the ag industry. I yeah. love ag Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's really great. Yeah, it's fantastic. It's really great. Well, thank you so much for coming and talking. I, I, I learned a lot for sure. And I hope that, uh, you know, nobody tweets you angrily about anything. I don't think they, I don't think anyone will. Well, thank you for uh, giving me a platform to talk about something I'm super passionate about. Um, Obviously water is my jam and it should be everyone's jam because without water, you have no jam. Right. I'm putting that on a t-shirt and we'll make a sticker. (laughs) I love it. Remember that folks, without water, you have no jam. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. But really, I'm making stickers. In all seriousness, I am planning on some merch, including stickers and maybe mugs and other fun stuff. So if you would like to get a Water Is My Jam and a Pain in the Asparagus and other fun stickers, stay tuned. We'll have some of that coming up in the next few months. Thanks again for listening. As always, you can find us on social media as Planthropology or Planthropology Pod. Depending on where you're looking, you can find all of our episodes, uh, links to our social media, other content on PlanthropologyPod.com. Um, As always, as well, thank you so much to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for uh, sponsoring and working with us on this podcast. 
it's really appreciated and uh, it's been a lot of fun to do and I think we've reached a lot of fun people this way so thanks so much to you most of all rate review on Apple Podcasts on Podchaser and anywhere else you can in fact right now I'm running a special that if you write us a review on either service take a screenshot of it send it to me at planthropologypod at gmail.com or on social media and I will mail you a plant people are cool sticker for free thanks for listening we'll see you next week when we talk with Kristen Bingham professor at South Plains College and host of the Catabolic Conversations podcast take it easy and we'll see you soon you cool plant people